DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone, get an iPad, or Samsung, tab A, for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm wondering, uh, what did you do with all that extra energy you have during the All-Star break? Did you nearly explode? Did you ski for hours uh, every day to burn it? I, I didn't like the first few days. I was I was bored, I'll admit it. Um, I did have some other things to work on, but then um, I went helicopter skiing with my dad, who's 80, and my two kids. So pretty special three days. All right, sweet. Now you're back at it, and we're all looking forward to it. I wanted to ask you about a recent acquisition with uh, Reggie Jackson going to the Clippers. Do you think they hit a home run? I don't know. I mean, I think Reggie Jackson is a backup point guard, not a starting point guard on a good team. So in that sense, he's in the right spot. Um, He is potent. I mean, he can make, you know, he can do some things. um, You know, he's a threat, I guess. in the way that Clarkson's a threat. He's been an incredibly poor offensive player this year, was oft injured uh, last year, uh, and I don't think was very good. I'm looking it up as we speak. Um, he was um, he was not as bad last year. He was below average, but he was not as bad. He's an inefficient player. Um, so I don't know who they're getting uh, in the sense that he – you know, in the last three years has been, you know, from poor to not as bad to this year, he's been awful. Um, I have a my offensive metric that I use to evaluate players called points gained, in which you compare a player, you take the, so in case of Reggie Jackson, you take the 15 scoring opportunities that he uses on a given night, compare it to what an average player would have done with those 15 scoring opportunities. He scores two less points than average. That's a lot um, this year. Last year he was point negative 0.3 and the year before he was negative 1.3. So in that sense, I, it's, I think, you know, whose possessions is he taking? And they now have two negative players back there in Lou Williams and Reggie Jackson. Um, and then, you know, how are they, I, I don't quite know how they're using him um, in the sense that, you know, they've got Lou Williams and they've got Patrick Beverly and, um, they've got Landry Shamit, and I guess this avoids them playing Landry Shamit as um, a point guard, which is at times they've had to do and hasn't been very good. But I would tell you that any possession you're taking away from Landry Shamit and giving to Reggie Jackson is a positive for the opponent. So Houston's into the buyout market too. Jeff Green on a 10-day deal. Damari Carroll, a couple guys with jazz ties there. Are either one of them going to help the Rockets? So the Rockets, I think the one thing it does for the Rockets is they didn't have 240 minutes of basketball. Um, I mean, they just didn't have all the players, right? They were short guys. So if they can get, they got 20, you know, they got the plus 19 night from Jeff Green. We'll see if they get the negative 22 nights coming up as well. Um, but they got 13 nights out of minutes out of Damari Carroll last night, and they got, I think, about 12. You know, if they can get 12 to 15 minutes out of Jeff Green then that's Tabo's not playing who, who really doesn't seem to have much bounce left. Um, it, it prevents them from maybe having PJ Tucker play 36 minutes. So I think that helps them in the sense that unlike the Clippers, where I look at it, and I'm not quite sure where they needed Reggie Jackson minutes. I, I thought the, the Rockets roster was just short players. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm very bullish on the Rockets. Um, I think that for their roster, this small ball was absolutely the right thing to do. The numbers are, are really telling um, when you dig into, you know, with Harden and Westbrook on the floor without Capella, they're plus 12 this year. The offense was 10 points per 100 percentage, percentage points better. Um, Westbrook gets to the rim 50% of the time of his shots when he's not on the floor with Capella, and he's actually efficient. Uh, Harden without Westbrook was a big win, but Westbrook uh, and Harden without Westbrook or Capella was a big win this year, but Westbrook on his own with Capella was not, so they solved that problem. Uh, I, I think they're going to be, you know, they're, they're a bogey uh, game winner away from having beat the Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, uh, Celtics. Uh, I, I think they're going to be amazing. Um, I, I think they'll finish with the two or the three seed and go on a, quite a run here unless other teams just simply don't lose enough, but they they have a pretty easy schedule. They play. Um, they, I, I'll have to pull it up, but I think they play 18 games. I'll check it here in a second. Uh, the rest of the way, in which they let me have it for you. Sorry. Yeah, they play. Uh, they play 16 games out of their final 28 games, where their winning probability, according to 538, is 80% or better. Um, so I, I think the Rockets could, you know, particularly, you know. Their game against us on Saturday is one of their lowest win possibilities of the entire season. Uh, rest of the way for them, uh, as is their March 5th game at home. Uh, I think against the Clippers is a low one for them. Other than that, they could roll. So I, I suspect they've got what 28 games left. I think they'll go 24 and four, 20, 25 and 23 and five, something of that. The rest of the way, and end up winning, you know, 57, 58 games. So I think the Jazz have five back-to-backs before the season is over. Is it going to be where Conley sits them all out or sits one of the two out? It does seem that that's the plan. I haven't talked to anyone. I don't, I don't know that that's the plan. Um, but it's that's, you know, pretty clear that he's not playing back-to-backs when he doesn't play tonight. So the advantage there would be if there were some lingering soreness or just kind of preventive, you get that. Plus, that enables you to play some other guys, keep them involved. If you need someone like Moutier, this would seem to open up minutes for him. Kind of those are the would be the two lines of thinking without talking to somebody. Is there another? Yeah, one? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's understanding we're going to make the playoffs, and you're trying to preserve Mike Conley um, for the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I'm. I don't remember ever seeing anything on Mike that he, you know, we don't have the data this year. I don't think he's played a back-to-back. But last year's split, that maybe there's some data that shows that he wasn't as good in, in back-to-backs last year. I don't, I don't recall um, seeing that, but I, I could, I could look it up and see. I, um, but I, I don't, re- I don't recall that last year. I, if, in fact, in my prep, I kind of remember him actually being, you know, looking to see for nervous signs that he was aging. That was one that usually shows up, and I, my memory on that is he was quite good last year in back-to-back. So. It just must be prevention for, you know, whatever soreness he's experiencing. So you forecasted the Rockets' record down the stretch. What are you forecasting for the Jazz? Well, I haven't done that. Um, Jeez. <laughs> so Saving that for another tough- show, David. Come on. <laughs> um, so we've got the toughest of, of, of the Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz, Rockets, and I haven't done Thunder, though I probably should. I mean, they've been as good as anyone in the NBA for a while. Um, if you take games left where your winning percentage, according to 538, is below 60%, so you know it's somewhat of a coin toss or you're, or you're not favored, uh, we have 11 of those games remaining the rest of the way. The Nuggets have 10, the Rockets have 9, and the Clippers only have 6. Um, the Rockets and Nuggets, the Rockets and Clippers have just a far easier schedule than the Jazz and the Nuggets the rest of the way. 
Um, I think the team we're probably watching and wanting to lose the most is Denver. Uh, I think our, you know, our, our April 5th game at Denver and our April 14th game to close the season, uh, could, I, I think there's a decent chance Denver and Utah could be playing for who gets home court, uh, to start the playoffs against each other on April 14th. As far as what seating bracket? Four or five. Four or five. Okay. That's really not what jazz fans want to hear, David. Stupid four okay. five series I mean, again. <laughs> what would you, what would what would you like me to say? Like we've been really. Your Lakers? I, mean, <laughs> I mean, right. So the Lakers are the one seed. The schedule seems to believe that if the Clippers decide to play, um, that they're going to prop that they, you know it's pretty favorable toward them to the two. I just told you I really I believe in the Rockets. Yeah. Now, I mean, so here, so I, I mean, the Rockets are two games behind the Jazz in the loss column, and the Jazz, um, you know, win the season series with a win against them. On Saturday night, that game is mammoth. Um, but so let's say the Rockets do what I think, which is in their final 28 games that they go 24. Let's say they do the you know the highest they could. They go 24 and four, which would be just remarkable. But I I really think they're they're going to do that. I don't think they'll lose any of those 16 games they play that are you know virtual wins. And I think they'll on the other 12 games left the rest of the way. I suspect they'll probably go eight and four on that. Um, so it, let's say that's the you know the, that's 58. Um, and if the Jazz can beat them coming up here, then if the Jazz can get to 58-2, and so that would mean the Jazz have to go 22-6 and the rest of the way. That's hard. And you have 11 games in which you're um, – I think that's that seems unlikely. We've got seven games the rest of the way where our winning probability is below 40%. Um, you know, those are the ones we have to st- – we have to win the games we're supposed to as we have all year and then find a way to steal the one in Boston or in the two in Oklahoma City or the one against the Lakers. Though, you know, I think you probably call it a win if you get the first one against the Lakers. Got to steal the one in Dallas. Um, we go to Portland and we go to Denver. So those are those are the road six that or road seven that, you know, seem very daunting. And, you know, can we find a way to go three and four in those? Well, there's – and then, you know, if you're going to – if the Rockets do what I'm saying and you're trying to catch them, then you probably can't – you can't lose more than one other game the rest of the way. It's if if the Rockets do what I'm saying. Now, if they suddenly get injured and get beat up, and but I don't see it. I've looked at the numbers on the Rockets. I've watched them play, um, particularly with a short-term sample size. I think what they're doing is going to work. So when you look at the Jazz, you see a team that offensively is really, really good, shooting the three really well. It spreads the floor. Uh, there's there's a lot of numbers out there that are very positive. So if they're going to have issues. It stands to reason, then, it's the defensive end of the floor. How do they get to the point where they're top five defensively or top three defensively, or is that just too much to ask? I think it might be too much to ask. I mean, we've really transformed this team, and we've turned it into the number – since December 24th, it's the number one offensive team in the league. Now, in that stretch, we haven't played any of the five best defensive teams. Um, we haven't played Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, or the Lakers in that stretch. So um, those are the five best defensive teams. So I'm, I think our numbers are a, a tiny bit inflated in that period of time. But, I, you know, we're still an elite-level offensive team, best shooting team in the league in that stretch. Um, and so it, I don't think you get both in that, you know, we haven't done that. Now, We this is the story. This is going to be the story of the rest of our, our route. Um, we play the most games, I believe it is, against any of the Western Conference teams against top ten offensive um, teams. So we're going to find out whether or not we can defend. I was actually working on a project this morning trying to kind of look at um, – what teams have done against the top 10 offensive teams in the league defensively and how we compare so far this year, because that's going to be the story 
of the second half of the season for us. I, I'm utterly convinced that our offense is that good, but we play 12 games in our final 28 against teams that are top 10 offensive teams. Um, and in the past, when we, here's the nice thing. In the past, when we've played those teams, if they, even if our defense had a good game and we, let's say, held them three or four points per 100 possessions below what their season average was, um, our offense wasn't good enough to catch them. Now it is. You know, now in most of those games, we may go in with the advantage. We may be the better offensive team of those teams that we're playing. And so then can we hold them to average? Because our average is better than their average and we win. But, you know, that's Dallas and that's Houston. And, and we've got the Lakers twice coming up and Boston coming up twice and the Clippers and the Nuggets twice. Um, and I think we're done with Miami, but we've got the Spurs. So we play the, you know, we play the 10th ranked offensive team tonight. And we play the second ranked offensive team uh, the night after that. We've got the fifth ranked offensive team on Wednesday. We're going to, we're going to find out. We go on the road and see that fifth ranked offensive team again in Boston and, and then New Orleans, you know, if you look at recently in the last 15 or so games, then it even is more daunting because New Orleans has been the seventh-ranked offensive team recently, and we play them uh, coming up here in a stretch. And Oklahoma City has been the sixth-ranked offensive team over the last 15 games, and we play them. So um, we have Toronto, who's been the third-ranked offensive team in the last 15 games uh, coming in. So we, this is really going to be a, an enormous test on our on our team. And not only are we playing just a tremendous games about the – against the top 10 offensive teams, we're playing the hottest offensive teams as well who aren't actually in the top 10 in New Orleans, Oklahoma City, and Toronto. Well, suck. DJ, what are you doing to that thing, man? That's gross. You should see him drink this little chocolate shake. Man, it's disgusting. Freaking tongues the thing. Gosh. I was, I was glad we got some more description there. I was not sure what we were talking about. <laughs> What are you doing to that little thing? It's gross. Where? It was a chocolate shake. That was not any of the things that went through my head. Man. Just just drink the thing. Sheesh, you don't have to make out with it. I'm glad you were listening to my answer. There were too many numbers. I wrote down every stat. They play the top and just, yeah. <laughs> Going forward with Conley out, it makes it a little bit easier. But I'm really intrigued to see what, what Quinn Snyder does with the rotations in the fourth quarter, particularly if it's a close game and we get in the last half of that quarter. Because, you know, he's got, uh, offensively, he's just got so many options. This is what you're speaking of. And we were talking to Bojack the other day, and he's naming guys, and he didn't even name Clarkson. <laughs> and they say, well, you know, what about Jordan? Because he's been lighting it up offensively, obviously. What do you think is going to happen in those situations? You, you define them. What do you, what's your situation? Uh, you call them clutch situations, last five minutes, and the score differential has to be, what is it, five points? Within f- yeah, the league does five within five. Yeah, okay. So um, what's going to happen there, do you think? I think it's going to be fluid. Um, I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I think if you're playing a team that's, you know, really, really putting pressure on Donovan, you might need Mike on the floor um, to to have another pick-and-roll ball handler to be able to create other opportunities. If you're playing a team with with big guards that are trying to go one-on-one, you know, a game like tonight against the Spurs, if they're suddenly switch, playing DeMar DeRozan in isolation and they're switching and they're getting a switch so that then they're getting a 6-1 Mike Conley on DeMar DeRozan, well, that, that's problematic. Then you probably need to bring in a Royce O'Neal if, if – 
you know, depending on the circumstances, there might be a scenario where you, you know, they're switching everything one through five and they've gone small. So you got to play isolation one-on-one basketball. Well, then Jordan Clarkson becomes uh, very valuable. If you need multiple pick and roll threats and uh, for Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert could become an offensive option inside of there. So I, I think, you know, in, in all these, um, I think Quinn will have to make some decisions on, you know, what he, what he wants to do and, and how to play it. Um, we've been, you know, Mike has, we've been good with Mike on the floor in the clutch. We're 12 and seven in those 19 games, which he's finished. We've been really good all year. Boy, I think we're 22 and 10 and um, overall. So um, we've been both, you know, both good in both circumstances, um, which is, you know, a huge switch from last year when we weren't um, particularly good in the clutch. Um I think overall for the season last year we were 15 and 17. Now that's a little misleading because when Ricky played we were seven and 14. So if you actually go back and look at us without Ricky over the last two years, now in the clutch we're pretty good. We're 31 and 12. Um, so maybe our coaching staff knows what they're doing late in games. David, as always, we appreciate it. Look forward to hearing you on the call tonight, San Antonio, and again tomorrow with Houston. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.